This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schieber from Healthcare News. Today, I'd like to talk about healthcare for veterans, and this is something we all need to watch carefully, not just because our vets deserve the best, but because all of it is managed by the federal government. And if we want a glimpse of what socialized medicine could be like, we have plenty of examples in the VA health system. Sally Pipes is the president and CEO and healthcare policy fellow at the Pacific Research Institute, and I am pleased to have her as my guest this week to talk about this topic. Welcome. Well, thank you, Anne-Marie. It's a very important topic, and particularly uh, with Senator Sanders saying that um, he's probably going to become chair of the Senate Health Committee, Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, and he, you know, he's a big guru for single payer. So the VA is an excellent look at what single payer will mean for Americans. Well, you know, I think the the one thing about veterans that most people are familiar with is the suicide rate and the mental health issues. Um, the rates are very high uh, for suicide for veterans, and I guess the VA is not doing a very good job about uh, preventing this. Tell us, you, you stumbled upon a report. Um, tell us about this report. It came out in October and, and what it says about how they're handling mental health care. Right, exactly. Well, uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs and, of course, the um, newer report, as you mentioned, from the Inspector General found that more than one in 10 VA staffers hadn't even completed their mandatory uh, suicide prevention training. And, you know, this means that these people are not well trained in dealing with the calls that they get, you know, from from our vets who, you know, many of whom, you know, are suicidal. Um, They found the hotline director in 2016 pointed out that over one-third of the emergency calls weren't even being answered. Many were just passed along to backup centers and and went into voicemail. And so we've seen, we now see that um, suicide is the second most common cause of death for post-9-11 vets. And since 2001, more than than 125,000 vets have taken their own lives. And between 2001 and 2020, the average number of daily veteran suicides rates have increased significantly. This is really a travesty um, for a system which, you know, it is a single-payer system and and there isn't competition and so the vets are stuck. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners uh, how different VA care is from the health care most people are familiar with, like employer care? Right. So the Veterans Administration health care system is a single-payer system, i.e. vets are um, only able to get their health care through, through the VA, and I'm sure many people have seen VA um, centers, you know, as they travel around in, in their cities. You know, about 160 million Americans, of course, have employer-based coverage, of which 70% rate their employer-based coverage as, as good or as excellent. But, you know, the, unfortunately, the vets don't have, have this option, and so we really need to you know, open up the healthcare system to our vets so that they can receive vouchers, so they can get healthcare in the communities in which they live, and get access to private care, best you know the, the best of, of doctors that are in their area or anywhere in America. But they need we they need to have the same 
you know, options that we have as 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 someone like myself who has has private um, uh, employer-based coverage, and I I have access to, you know, a lot of doctors and a lot of health systems. But as I say, our vets don't have that at the moment. They did try, you know, in twenty the in twenty eighteen the the Veterans Admission Act expanded access to private delivered care in certain cases, but it was so complicated. You know, you had to you know try to get VA care first and then then you could you know to, in order to take advantage of these options so it, it's not working and as i say the suicide rate is is very significant and more significant than within the general population of our country yeah i mean weights don't work in a crisis situation and it's not just mental health but you could have a cancer diagnosis and i imagine vets have unique healthcare concerns given what they've been through if they've been in combat and have you know are facing all kinds of issues lifelong i mean what is it about these kinds of managed care systems um that we see all these long wait times i mean what is it about it i mean we, we hear about long waits for care in canada which has a very similar program socialized medicine and um runs very it's very sounds like it's very similar to the va health care well it is and i remember several years ago i was doing an uh, international conference debate on single-payer health care against ubi reinhardt unfortunately he's passed on, but he was a big single-payer advocate, uh, Princeton economist, and he loved single-payer. He had worked in Canada before he came to the U.S., and I remember he said, he interrupted me when I was talking about Canadian wait times. You know, I am Canadian. I grew up under single-payer. Today, the average wait in Canada from seeing a primary care doctor to getting uh, treatment, uh, getting uh, specialized care is is over over 25 weeks. So, you know, when government's in control, they just determine how much money they're going to spend on healthcare, and, and they have to limit it because they have other things they want to spend their money on. But Uvi interrupted me and said, "We have an example of single payer healthcare system, a single payer healthcare system in this country, and it's terrific." And I said, "Well, Uvi, what is that?" And he said, "The <laughs> VA." And so, you know, I'm, this was before. Unfortunately, this was before all the scandals came out about the terrible long waits that our vets are having to to face. But when government is in charge, whether it's in Canada or in the UK, you have long waits, you have ration care, and, and in many cases, you don't have access to the latest uh, treatments and, and, and uh, tests and equipment that are, that are available in the private sector. Yeah. And I imagine VA care is not cheap. Um, like Canada, people pay huge taxes to support socialized medicine there. And then they turn around and pay out of pocket because they do need to see a doctor. Medical tourism is a huge industry in Canada. And and I imagine that veterans who are desperate resort to the same thing, which probably creates more financial pressure for them. Well, exactly. The average Canadian family last year paid over $16,000 a year Um in, in hidden taxes for this healthcare system, where, as I say, the average wait um, is over 25 weeks. This is the longest wait ever on record. So, you know, this is just really, it's, you know, so then people, um, over 215,000 Canadians come across the border every year and pay out of pocket for an MRI, a CT scan, um, a heart stand, all of the things that, you know, if you're worried about your, your health and your being able to survive, you want to get access to timely care. So Canadians, and Brits pay this tremendous amount of money in hidden tax, but they're not getting access to care. And for our vets, many of them, you know, don't, you know, have a, a large retirement plan. And for them to have to go, you know, outside the system and pay, it's a tremendous financial uh, burden on them. And that's why I think, you know, if we could voucherize the system 
and make it so much easier for these vets to get care in their own neighborhood, in their own community, or even go if they if they have cancer to maybe go to you know Sloan Kettering or to go to the City of Hope uh, cancer system in in Pasadena. But they sh- you know we need to treat these people well. They've defended our country, and it's just not right. Yeah. I mean, tell us a little bit about how these vouchers work. Do you just call a number and get a voucher or do you have to get online for that? <laughs> well, you know, you'd have to, I'm sure it would, you'd, it would have to be set up by the federal government. And then um, there would be, you'd have to go online or you'd have to call and, 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 you know, make, you know, apply to get a voucher, but it should be made very easy, just like it's easy to get, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I get, applications to apply for credit cards like every other day and Mm. so and it's pretty easy so they should be able to get easy access to 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 these vouchers and you know some of the worst um systems you know electronic systems are of course within with the federal government whether it's whatever the system is but they need to hire outside consultants like people who work at microsoft or apple or any of these firms that could really develop a first class voucher uh, system for them so that they could get this access because when you're you know if you're having a heart attack or whatever you don't have time to think well I think I'll just you know now call they should have ready access and immediately and so you know that they can they can get treated and 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 you know um, live you know long um, healthy lives yeah you know it's shocking to me I mean here you've got the VA system and it is so begging for innovation and here you've got this ready-made market to do that you know like we've talked about how you can get innovation everyone says reform is just impossible to do these days because healthcare is so complicated but here you've got veteran care a very designated identifiable group and i mean you could experiment and do this in a large way i mean voucher program and put it on steroids and see measure and it's measurable you can measure outcomes to see you know how their health is held up over the time right now the statistics that we're seeing at least on suicide are are really really bad they're not making a big case for this so i mean why why have has there been such resistance to do more innovative things and maybe test out some new models here well we definitely need new models and we need to test them and pollsters you know found you know, when they were looking at opening the system up to private care, that, 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 that our vets wanted that. So the vets wanted, but it's just like, you know, government, the, the, the wheels of government turn very, very slowly. And of course, a lot of uh, very progressive uh, politicians, whether at the state level or whether in, in Congress, they, they want government to be the sole provider of our health care. So they don't want people to, even though they they say we want affordable, they want affordable, accessible, quality care for all. They actually don't because they want the government to be making decisions for for not only vets but for all Americans and and put the government in charge. Yeah, um, you know it's funny. It's always easy to build a program, to start a program with all kinds of lofty ideas, but it's almost impossible to tear down. And that's the problem with any government program because, you know, they sound so attractive in the beginning, but you can't anticipate everything. And all these things do have unintended consequences. And, and health care especially is no exception. I mean, do you suppose that, you know, having more community care, we would see as many suicides as we see among veterans if we had this community care? No, I care? think this is, as I mentioned, you know, the vouchers, people should be able to use them in their communities. And, and community care is one way for, 
for people for our vets to get access quicker access to to doctors because you know um, in 2020 nearly 40 percent of the veteran suicide occurred in patients who'd already had had recently you know been to the v, been to a VA doctor up from 26 percent uh, just a few years before so you know you know, a lot of times, you know, vets that live in rural communities, it's even more difficult for them. So they should be able to have access to to, um, to doctors in, in their own community. You know, Milton Friedman, the Nobel laureate in economics, who, you know, was my, my mentor and who I did a lot of work, a lot of things with him on, on how to reform our healthcare system and, you know, put competition and patients and doctors back in charge of their healthcare. And Milton used to always say to me, Sally, show me, tell me about a government program that was introduced that ever ends up, <laughs> you know, being uh, eliminated. And the only one we could ever think about was the the mohair subsidy program. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's very hard to to change these these systems once once they're in place. And if we get, you know, a single payer system for all Americans, it'll be very very difficult, you know, to get rid of it. It'll be impossible, even if it's not working. And I always say, well, where would we as Americans go? Um, in order to get good care, Canadians have have you know an escape valve. Brits, you know, oft, a lot of Brits come to the U.S. too. But you know, this would—it's just impossible. But I think opening up the the healthcare system so that doctors, that vets could go to doctors in private practice in their own community would really reduce this increasing rate of suicide, you know, among among our vets. Yeah. Well, if there's ever a time we needed Milton Friedman, it is now more than ever. I don't oh. know. You know, he's done so many amazing things and people don't remember today because, you know, they weren't around when he was very popular on television and uh, television was, you know, the media was very responsible back then and he got a lot of exposures. There's a great documentary on Free to Choose Television's YouTube channel, uh, a great documentary on Milton Friedman who talked about just his work in Chile and working with all these groups. And I think he said that about four or five times in the, in the documentary about, you know, uh, the government programs are almost impossible to dismantle. So all, all really good. Well, these are terrific issues, and I'll link to your op-eds. You've written a couple of uh, op-eds on this subject, and I'll link those in the podcast notes. Thank you so much, uh, Sally Pipes, for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you, Anne-Marie. It was terrific, and there's much to discuss over, over the next year, the next two years before the 2024 election. So we just have to keep focused and educating Americans on all of these issues. Awesome. Sally Pipes is the CEO, President, and Healthcare Fellow at the Pacific Research Institute. And if you enjoyed this discussion, please share the link, become a regular subscriber to the Heartland Daily Podcast so you can get fresh content on free market solutions Monday through Friday. This is Anne-Marie Schieber. 